This is the Post Shift Podcast, a broad look at the hospitality industry. What is happening, Post Shift Podcast? I'm, of course, your host, Sean Sewell. It is the first Post Shift shot of the year. So I decided this year to uh, change it up a little bit. And my very first podcast for this year is going to be about trends for 2020. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with trend reports, um, but you get so many. If you if you get your email blast from Spirit Business or what have I got here? I got Spirit Business twice, uh, Barons, or you get like little blips and that sort of thing. So we get tons and tons of email blasts about what the new trendy cool thing is in 2020. So I decided to pick out my favorite like listy things and sort of breeze through them and see what trends sort of align with what I think is going to be trendy for 2020, just based on the industry. Now, obviously, I'm in Victoria, but I travel enough that I can sort of see where the trends are falling uh, in a lot of major cities in BC, or in, sorry, the world. And so let's uh, let's kick it off. So spirit predictions for 2020 from Barron Magazine, or Barron's Magazine. Okay, so craft spirits continue to surge. Fuck, I hope so, because I've invested too much money into BC Spirits, not for it to keep searching. If that doesn't keep searching, then I'm screwed. I do believe Craft Spirits are definitely going to um, keep making their mark in 2020. Um, now, we've talked about this when it comes to Craft Spirits, Craft Cocktails, that sort of stuff, is that when we hear about um, major beer companies and spirit companies uh, losing a percentage of the market share and going to Craft Spirits, we're talking about like, one company losing 2% and that 2% being split up between a multitude of different distilleries. So we, we, we're seeing growth in a great way and a lot of people are starting to look local. Price points are starting to line up as well so then people aren't spending like 20 bucks more a bottle for a bottle of gin. Um, so price points are lining up really, really well for this sort of movement. But we also have to keep in mind from a business point of view, especially young young people who are trying to get into the distilling industry or craft beer industry, this is not a cash cow. It's a lot of work for very like slim margins um there is some success stories don't get me wrong tons and tons of success stories like aviation gin which is a huge brand out of portland that was bought into by ryan reynolds and say um last year was tate and Bagan in on dragon's den and going from there for bc specifically um, we really need to work on that cap from the government that cap needs to come up that fifty thousand liter cap needs to like move up or uh you're going to see a lot of distilleries start losing money um, but that being said, craft spirits are here to stay. Um, a lot of bartenders are getting on board with it. A lot of bars and restaurants are moving on it too. So it really is showing that craft spirits are making a great move. So let's keep going. Uh, that's not what I need. Oh, this one's a good one because I am doing some BC spirit stuff with this. RTDs are going to explode. Now coming from Australia, RTDs have been a huge portion of the market for about 25 years. Um, RTDs in Australia are huge. You can go to any... Uh, liquor store and get rum and cokes and Johnny Walker and dries and all this sort of stuff. So at the end of the day, RTDs, which have been a huge thing in Australia, are really blowing up all across North America. Uh, we've seen it in BC here, uh, RTDs. I think this week or last week I did an RTD episode, um, which was just exploring RTDs in BC, which is kind of crazy that we have enough that we can actually do it. But RTDs, ready to drinks, uh, so cocktails in a can. Um, now, this is not supposed to replace cocktail bartenders or anything like that. What it's supposed to do is so you can have a decent drink on the beach or at a barbecue or hanging out with friends playing video games. It's about creating a different market segment for people who do believe in solid cocktails and they do want something decent in a can. So we'll be tasting, I, I probably taste it by the time this episode comes out, but I do think hard seltzer, 
your vodka sodas and stuff are not going to slow down. Um, market saturation is getting there, but there's still so much still coming out of the market. So it really is going to come down to brand and what uh, people feel is brand uh, price point. So if you've got a great brand and your price point's good, you're probably going to succeed. If you come into the market with a lower price point, but your branding's not great or it doesn't sort of appeal to the right market, or what I've seen is a lot of uh, hard seltzers in BC coming with the exact same branding as everybody else, um, which I think is just, you, you're just try, try, trying to chase um, a market share that isn't going to be there in two years' time. So let's keep going. Uh, ooh. American single malt. Now this one's an interesting one. I'm gonna leave that one because that one is sort of outside my realm of what I sort of think uh, being a BC Spirits guy. Um, I think BC Spirits, uh, a BC single malts are really blowing up. Um, I think American can't be too far behind that. Um, I think, especially in the States with massive EU excises and stuff like that, Scotch is gonna come really expensive in the US in the next two years. So people are gonna be turning to someone but on the flip side, American single malt better be ready for the market boom they're about to have. The whiskey better be good. There better be plenty of it. And it better be everywhere. So let's get into five cocktail trends to watch in 2020 from Drink Business. So Drink Business uh, is one of my favorite little ones. Um, creative menus is one that is something that I think a lot of bars are missing out on. Uh, the traditional menu is dying. Um, I think a menu, while it might be a little bit more expensive, is an intangible um, intangible element of a cocktail program that a lot of bars are missing out on. Um, doing a creative cocktail menu shouldn't cost you the world if you do it like right and specifically. These guys are talking about like AI and VR and stuff like that, which is insane. Like AI is similar to like your Pokemon when you're catching your Pokemon. Not that I do that, I do, but I'm, that's a different episode. But um, where you scan a barcode on your phone and a Van Gogh picture cr is created around the drink in VR, in AI, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, so, Pared Down Drinks uh, is sort of the other, episode, other end of the creative menu. I think that... I've got two point of views for the the small the three cocked, three ingredient drink or that that sort of thing. I think there's a place for complicated, in depth, elevated cocktails in any bar, as long as it still sticks to the mandate of that three to five minute ticket time. Um, this is where I think the spring back to the the quick and easy cocktail and the highballs and stuff sort of falls. Is that a lot of bars that didn't have the systems in place and the training in place to create elevated cocktails without it taking 15 minutes and now springing back going, well, those cocktails suck. And so I think it's a, it's a spring back from that where bartenders who couldn't pull it off now shit talk, now shit talk what they couldn't pull off and then go, well, I'm just going to do Manhattans. I'm going to do a Manhattan variation list. Um, so of course, I think that's definitely a way to look at it. Um, I think a, a really good, now if you're going to do highballs and stuff, make sure that you pair, like one thing we did at FTW back in the day is we paired um, Suntory Toki with six different sparkling waters to find the perfect sparkling water for our Japanese highball. Um, and then we did the same thing with Jack Daniels to make the Frank Sinatra, which was a triple pour of um, Jack Daniels single barrel. And then we paired a whole bunch of still waters with it as a side to see which one works best. Serendipitously, it was um, Frank Sinatra's water of choice, which was the Evian. Kind of mind-blowing that we I had Evian as a uh, benchmark and had all this other fancy shit, and then the benchmark won. Um, global takeovers. Now, this one is a big one because coming from Singapore uh, for the last, like this year, uh, well, last year, sorry, um, 
bar takeovers and pop-ups were fucking huge there. Like, literally, I remember one month, the first week I got back into Singapore, there was, like, eight uh, guest shifts or takeovers in a space of a week, which just is insane when you really think about it. Um, it's actually really just ridiculous when you think about it, but I think it is a movement. Um, I think it's about how the bar gears it, because the problem that I find is that you have these guest bartenders, and unless you've educated your guests on who these people are, I find it's just a bit of an industry circle jerk. Um, and everybody patting each other on the back going, oh, you're fucking awesome. No, you're fucking awesome. Um, I think the, the element of guest education has to be there. So this is where it comes back to what I've always said about guest education. For every one cent you spend on your staff, you should spend three cents on your guest. And this is a big one because if the guest doesn't know who blah, blah, blah from fuck bar is, is then why are they going to show up and support your bar? It really is just an industry thing where people come and like join. So educate your guests. Do a, do a quick little half hour, 45 minute like meet and greet um, in the back of your bar so that the person who's guest bartending can do a little session and sort of educate your staff on what they do at their bar and give a little 101 on their bar. Like people want to feel like they're being exposed to that bar, not just by having a couple of cocktails, but like actually realizing what like two schmucks is about and stuff like that. So I think guest education when it comes to global takeovers is a big one. Oh, we talked about carbonated everything and every, even more gin. Yes, gin is king. Gin is going to keep growing. Um, it's a huge market segment. Um, but let's have a look at the top U.S. alcohol trends for 2020. This is from Spirit Business. And so, of course, Lower Knock, I completely agree with this one. I think especially in BC with how many wonderful vermouths we have right now. Um, I think vermouth and tonic has to come back in a big way. Um, I know that Esquimalt, Esquimalt Rosso, or Esquimalt Wine Company, they're Rosso. I believe, because they're part of Rootside Provisions, or like their Rootside Provisions, I believe that they might be kegging up their Rootside Provision tonic as well as their Rosso for tap placements over the next new year, which would be fucking epic. Um, but I th think the, the movement towards low and non-arc is something that we have to take into thing we all talk about mental health we all talk about drink addiction i think it's it's basically an industry csr um to offer non low and no alcohol cocktails on your menu these days and not just syrup citrus soda something a bit better um the better for you movement and vodka we are not going to talk about that one because i think it's a load of shit uh whiskey appeal i do believe believe whiskey is becoming popular um i still think it's a small market segment you have to remember for our single malt nerds out there, single malt is always going to be king for us, but blends pay the bills for a lot of these markets. So we have to always keep in mind, like, you're bringing out a single malt, it's fantastic, awesome, great, you're a craft single malt from America, from the, U from the US, from Canada, wherever, but at the end of the day, blends on the market scale still pay the bills for a lot of these single malt distilleries, and you've got to really keep that in mind when it comes to your business plan. Um, the gin and tonic movement, I'm all behind this. Um, my project with Fever Tree this year has been huge and it really has opened my eyes to what gin and tonics really can be. And being in Singapore, we had a whole gin and tonic menu. I think more bars, especially Mediterranean style places, um, definitely need a gin and tonic menu where you pair different tonics with different gins, um, big time. Tequila turbulence, uh... We always hear these stories every single year. Um, it's a big one, I think. Uh, we have to be very mindful of what uh, tequila companies we support, what mezcal companies we support, um, but also keeping an open mind to celebrity 
uh, brands as well. And this is not an endorsement in any way, shape, or form, but it is a double-edged sword. A lot of people would never have tried tequila unless George Clooney brought out tequila. So we really have to think about these sort of things because at the end of the day, in my mind, um, it is a double-edged sword. They may not be producing the best tequila to put on, bring onto market, but they're also introducing a whole new brand segment to a whole new market segment to the brand. Um, technology, if you have listened to anything, I'm all about social media. Um, I think there's so much technology out there and taking the leap and taking the risk can actually really make a solid ROI in your business. It's a huge outline most of the time with technology, but keep it in mind. Um, oof. Uh, experimented experiences. Now, this goes back to the creative menus. Um, I do believe that this is an intangible element to most cocktail programs that most people do not look into. And I think it's something that needs to be really delved into a lot more. Um, whether it be dry ice smoke, we did Lafroy dry ice smoke for our campfire cocktail, which was a lot of fun and people like lost their mind on it. It's just this little touch that takes you 15, 20 seconds extra to every experience, but the experience blows up. And I think that's where um, the element of uh, experimenting and the experience when every cocktail bar has a, most cocktail bars these days, or mo actually no, most bars these days have a really good little cocktail program. Um, what makes yours stand out? It's service, intangible. Um, ambience, intangible. And then more often than not, you can have the best back bar and the best cocktail menu, but the intangible things are what put you over the edge to becoming a great cocktail bar. So it's the intangible things that you do for your guest that make you win. Um, and on that note, that's the end of my trends of 2020 list. I hope that you enjoyed that one. Um, I hate trend lists. Um, I do agree with a lot of them, but these ones had some good, good bones and good like backing up to it. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much. Thank you for supporting me throughout 2020. I know it's only the first episode of 2020, but I'm going to thank you now and be very grateful for it now. Um, I'm home indefinitely for the next little while, which is absolutely awesome. So you'll see me around a lot more in Victoria. Um, thanks a lot, guys. Have a good week. Um, bye. Thanks, Shifters. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, if you're listening, whatever platform you're on, give me a good rating, subscribe, listen along. Uh, I'm going to keep going. I really enjoy sitting down with people and learning where they're from, what they did, and how they got to where they were. So if you love it, Give me a good five stars. If you don't, give me one and I'll try harder.